0: um really really genuinely excited about tonight and also I get to share with you it's a very anthem night in the sense that um a lot of the details for tonight were coming together up until actually Ryan is still putting things together on his computer like in a really fun way part of the <laughs> in a really fun see we're we're late to the ball game in a really fun way trisha had to go solo at the dinner table he's just now eating that's what a guy. Um, But part of the exciting thing about tonight is uh, we mentioned that we wanted to do a night on the nations and it sort of started to spread like wildfire. We started to hear about more and more opportunities and things were coming up uh, that we wanted to try and figure out how to include in the night and what to bring and that type of a thing. So it's just been, it's actually been a very cool story of watching this whole thing unfold. I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about like what about tonight, like why this is important for us as a local church. And then we're actually going to hear from a group of people. Let me tell you who you're going to hear from just so you can know to be excited. Uh, you're going to hear from Tyler Larson about his trip to Nepal and Laos. Uh, you're going to hear from Mark Avery about uh, Nepal and what's going on over there. He's got a couple of things coming up as well as a trip a year ago. Uh, You're going to hear from Nicole Radin, who is from Anthem Camarillo. Where's Nicole? Oh, yeah. There we are. Yes. Uh, Nicole is from Anthem Camarillo and went to Greece last year and is going to be going again this year. Uh, You're going to hear from uh, Lori and Tim Donahue, also from Anthem Camarillo, and we'll be talking. You're going to hear from Tom and Lois Gallardo. Tom and Lois. We'll be sharing a little bit. Uh, am I missing anybody? My list might be incomplete. Who did I ask that I didn't? Oh, and Garrison and Meredith Wash. Thank you. They're gonna be talking about Portugal coming up. That's uh, where's Garrison and Meredith, or Garrison. Yes, and Meredith. There we are. All right. So let me start with this. Um, a couple of years ago, the uh, Chris and Merrill coming into our life really opened up some avenues for Kristen and I to start dreaming differently about the local church. Uh, one of the things that they brought was just a sense, and maybe this is what churches in other parts of the world experience. I think in the U.S. we tend to be a little America-centric when we think about the church, just because we're America, you know, America. And that's just kind of the way that it it works sometimes. But meeting churches from South Africa, we got a chance to see a, a completely different relationship to the nations. It was totally normal for them to send church plants to Brazil or to Hong Kong or to Singapore or to uh, uh, Eastern Europe. It just was was less of a thing to plant domestically and more of a thing to plant internationally. And for us, we had just kind of grown up in a setting of international stuff is missionaries. That's what missionaries do. You train for a couple of years and then you go and you spend time in a country for 10 or 15 or 20 years and And you do the work of learning the language and planting a church. And so it just, it kind of wrecked our worldview a little bit to meet a different way of approaching the nations. That just kind of planted a seed. And we didn't really, we didn't want to run after that like crazy because we we just wanted to, I don't know, we didn't know enough and we wanted to let it grow. But what we've gotten to see over these last few years, uh, some really key things happening. Uh, the Averys joining Anthem from uh, Upper Room. They ran a house church for 13 years, I believe it was. Is that right? Close. So somewhere in the vicinity of a teenage amount of years. And, uh, and then uh, they, as they wrapped that up and came and joined Anthem, they brought Touch Nepal with them, and it really started to open up some doors for us. Uh, we've gotten just incredible relationships and opportunities to be built through different people in the church. But what we started to see is that if we want to maintain a healthy and vibrant local church here in Thousand Oaks, I think it's partly because of what Kyle taught on today, what Ahmad taught on last week, but we have to be connected to what God's doing around the world. Like if we were to, to get so hyper-focused on what's happening here in Thousand Oaks, that we lose sight of what's happening around the world. It actually, it affects in the negative, our ability to do what God's asked us to do here in Thousand Oaks. We're, not able to carry out the mission in the same way that we are when we have not only awareness of, but relationships to the gospel advancing in places around the world. It's completely changed our approach to things. I, I kind of was starting to experience this a little bit, and I asked my dad, who uh, they're on their way back from Phoenix tonight. They're at a global training network uh, weekend in Phoenix. They're on their way back, but weren't going to be able to make it back in time. So they gave us all their information for tonight. Uh, but I was asking my dad about this a couple of years ago, and I just said, I feel like like when I go into a different country, something changes about me and my leadership, about vision, about my heart, about how I pray. I, you know, I just find myself thinking differently and, and acting differently when I go into other parts of the world. And my dad kind of chuckled a little bit, and obviously he had been in ministry for, I don't know, 40 years when I asked him this, or when I was talking to him about this, and he said, I found that, um, that in my experience— if i wasn't involved either directly or indirectly in something in another country it was like so quick that my my mission mindset started to atrophy my my vision started to shrink if i wasn't actively involved either in partnering with people that were in other parts of the world or he himself going to see and be a part of what was going on and he just said i felt like for us as a church if we weren't breaking that open so there was a stretch of years I, again i wish he could tell you the story but there was a stretch of years where the church decided to kind of keep him home as teaching gift and things of that were were really important and they just kind of dug down in thousand oaks and he said well my gift was flourishing for what i was doing the the church itself we were struggling we were limping because we kind of lost that connection to what was happening in other parts of the world it's really interesting to hear and process that but it did something to us made us think okay well we want to be a church that Again, to Kyle's point, to Acts eight, that has a heart for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So what's it going to look like for us to maintain this, to walk in this path, and also to understand the hearts of the people in the church who are already tuned for those ends of the earth? How can we walk and understand that piece better and create a story that brings life to Anthem Church? So that's what you're going to hear tonight from these uh, people. Let me just share with you the The questions that we've asked them, we've asked each person that's going to be sharing to give a little synopsis of what it is that they do or have done, and then we've asked them to answer a couple of questions. (laughs) I don't have those questions in front of me, so that would be really helpful. How about that? All right, here it is, sharing Sunday night email. All right, the questions are, how have you seen God's power moving in the nations? How has your international work changed your perspective of God? And how has your international work changed your perspective of mission back home? So we've asked everybody to, it's a perspective thing. We want you to hear and see what these people have experienced and what's changed in them as a result of their journeys. So why don't we start with Tyler? Tyler, you can come on up. Give it up for Tyler Larson. I slightly altered Tyler's questions just to give you guys an idea. So he has uh, similar concepts, different wording. All right, Tyler, how old are you? Twelve. 12 years old. All right. You got a lot of stamps in your passport?
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Very fun. Um, so why don't you take a minute and tell us what we did while uh, we were in those two countries that you got to go to?
1: Um. Well, in Laos, we stayed with Scott and Alexis, who used to come to this church. And on the very first night, we went to uh, uh, Scott's school, uh, his class, his English class there. And I fell asleep, <laughs> cause I was a little jet lagged, um, and really, we. So the next day we went to their friend's village. Actually, it was their housemaid or yeah. what? Yeah, her village, and actually there they make bombs or spoons out of bombs. So because uh, next to Laos is the Vietnam, and. During the Vietnamese war, a bunch of their troops went to Laos to hide or whatever, and then uh, America bombed Laos, and there's a ton of unexploded bombs, so people go and find those bombs and then make spoons out of it, so it's actually pretty crazy, and then when we went to Nepal, we went straight to the orphanage where Babu is, where he's got about 30 kids there now, or something like that, but. Over time, he's adopted sixty kids, and they leave when they're eighteen. So I just played around with the little ones, uh, and <laughs> that made him pretty happy because they don't see a lot of people like me. Um, and uh, the next day, it was their twenty-fifth anniversary, uh, which where my dad taught. And then after that, we went on <laughs> on an elephant safari where we rode on elephants, and then we saw a rhino so that was pretty cool. And then we flew over to Kathmandu where we took a 3-hour motorcycle ride up into the mountains to a village called like Sindhupalchok or something. Some, some. You know? <laughs> Sindhupalchok. Yeah. All right. Um and <laughs> and there we just had like a little mini church service with the people there and then we rode back and it took a while.
0: All right, so how did going to Nepal and Laos change your perspective of the world?
1: Well, it really showed me that like I mean, every day I see people with like really expensive clothes or something like that, and I think, "Wow, they're spoiled." But really it's me that's spoiled because like I forget what percentage it was, but only like 3 to 10% of the world has a car. So I'm just, I feel really, I felt really blessed after seeing, like, what's there and what kind of stuff, or what kind of stuff we have and they don't.
0: Uh, how did going to those countries change your perspective of God, if it did at all?
1: Um, well, so I guess I just saw that God's love is everywhere. and. Like, we can't really avoid it, and I just, I don't know, it really brought me to a realization that, like, I don't really know. I guess he's just everywhere.
0: And how about, how did uh, being in those countries change your perspective of being on mission back home?
1: Uh, Really, like, the same thing. Um, I guess, like, I don't know. It was cool to see that people with nothing, like, uh, in the village we went to in Kathmandu, or not in Kathmandu, in the mountains, they, like, farmed for all their food. They couldn't just go to a grocery store. They had to farm for all their food. Uh, And that was just really cool to see that they were still worshipping, even though they didn't have very much.
0: That's awesome, buddy. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to share with us. I know it's been a uh, a while since you went, but it's still an opportunity to share, and I appreciate it very much, man. Good job. All right. Uh, Why don't we take a break from Nepal? I'll call you up later. How about that? Let's go Tom and Lois, and then uh, we'll come back to Nepal in a bit. Now, I can interview you, or you can just just go for it. So I'm just going to let you guys go for it, because you got the questions, and now you got the answers. So here you go. We
2: were at the end of the list. All right. So um, we were actually uh, told to spend a minute or two on what we did last year, which was really good, because otherwise we'd be here a while. Um, so last year, all, one trip we did was in July. It was our first trip of that sort. We were in... Um, China, and we worked for, with a kids' camp. So it's not unlike Hume Lake in that these kids go away for a week and we're, they're camping out with them, um, although it was really, really nice facilities and air conditioning, all the difference in the world. Um, yeah, it, make, it makes it way more comfortable. Uh, but we did all sorts of things with them. I actually taught science. Um, the kids, the parents are sending them to an English camp, so everything we're teaching is in English. So we're developing relationships with kids and just are there for opportunities that God may give us to share what he's doing in the world and who he is, means to us. So um, I, my least favorite subject in the whole world was science. Um, and then he asked me to teach science to Chinese kids. I'm like, Chinese kids? Like, they know way more science than me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it. But they don't do um, experiments, apparently. They, it's all head knowledge, but they don't actually do experiments. They loved it. They loved experiments. Um, Tom did a lot. He taught them how to put up a tent, uh, the kids called home and said, we want to go camping. Can we buy a tent? No, no concept for them of what that was like. Um, we uh, fed them s'mores and just a lot of American things. But the whole point for them is to have an experience away from home and to whatever they're learning to learn in English. So we did music. We did um, carpentry, little crafts. That Anyway, we did a ton of stuff. So it's like whatever you know, whatever you can do, you can take over there and share with them. and. It just was a great time.
3: And then uh, in October, we were in Cambodia. Um, We are involved with the AOC, which is Asian Outreach Cambodia. And we took the Maritzas with us, uh, Brendan and Jamie. And what we did while we were there is we participated with ACTS, which is assisting children to school, basically back to school and we stuffed backpacks. Uh, uh, Brandon had the uh, pleasure of going out into the, we call it the bush, to help do uh, medical. Um, I don't even know what you would say, because basically he went with Mordecai, who is basically a self-taught doctor, and Brandon says, oh, well, can we do this? And Mordecai says, we don't have that stuff. This is how we treat that. So basically, Brandon got to have the exposure of, how you treat Cambodians when you don't have the resources. Um, we also uh, were involved in English classes at night, helping them to pronounce uh, the words correctly because they're taught by Cambodians uh, instructors, but those instructors don't necessarily know how to enunciate the words correctly. So that was fun. And uh, so that was just a great time that we got to uh, share. and. Um,
2: Uh, Everything we end up getting involved with just means us taking what we already know over to the country. So so honestly, whatever you do, whatever you know, you can take it with you and go and use it. And that's, I think, one of the things we've learned about God, that his creativity and how he created us is just way bigger than we could imagine. He is so big and this world is so stinking small. And we're all family everywhere. And it's just its just an amazing opportunity to be able to walk through this um, and, and gone places that we never would have imagined. Um, this morning, Matt made the comment, um, like, when they guys first met together, they had pictures. And they took Polaroids, and everybody wrote on the bottom of them, you know, where the, what they thought they could do and where they would want to do it and put it on the map. And And I thought about that, and I thought, <laughs> I would have had no clue. I don't know what I would have put on it. I don't know. Where on the map? I can tell you where it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been in any Asian countries. Like, would not have been. uh, I would not have been nowhere near Asia. But now God has taken us to China, Cambodia, Nepal. Yeah, a lot. Uh, Several times. And uh, as soon as you say yes, this is what I've learned about God. As soon as you say yes, he will take you places you never could have imagined.
0: Thanks, guys. All right, uh, Mark, let's get back to Nepal. Why don't you come on up? There you go, sir.
4: Hello, uh, James C. If you don't know, that's how the uh, Christians greet one another in Nepal. I love hearing about uh, Tyler left something out of his stories, and Matt didn't correct it, but when they went to Sindhupolchak, Polchak, is one of the most unreached areas. It's an actual Area like San Fernando Valley Uh, they were there but they were in a village called Baramchi and I know why they were there but in this village I think that this village probably in its entirety has seen less than a hundred people that aren't Nepali ever in their existence so uh, where they went is absolutely incredible why they went is that we're building a church there so great news and super jealous that you guys made it there before us and I get to go, so I'm super excited. Um, again, I'm Mark with uh, Touch Nepal, and I've been working in Nepal for about 15 years now. What a great blessing for me. I often get to tell people about what we do. Uh, we do many, many different things in Nepal, uh, from a remote area pastor training, which uh, Steve Larson's, Matt's father, uh, is part of that team as well. And Connie, the mom, has done some teaching in areas of Nepal. We work amongst uh, leprosy-affected people in a place called Coconut Leprosy Colony or Community. Uh, We run an after-school tutoring program uh, in Coconut as well, which is entirely separate type of thing. And uh, as Tyler was saying before, that we help uh, in uh, children's homes in other places in Nepal. Those are just some of the very basics, and we get to. So I wanted you to know the what. The reason why doesn't come up a lot, though. Uh, I think that there's assumptions, like when you tell someone what their job is, we all know we do it for money. But the reason for why would we do all these things is super important for why I'm here today, because it has everything to do with Jesus. Because really, God's doing such an incredible work in Nepal with these pastors. Unless these pastors are trained and they don't have training, they don't even have access to training, then no one's going to be correctly handling the word. And that wouldn't even matter at all if God's not going to do any more than the 3% Christianity in Nepal that he's doing, but he is. So we know that the pastors are going to need to grow because we know that the word of God's going to go forward. And so we have to be there. I just love that work. Uh, and then same in uh, Coconut Leprosy Colony. It's wonderful to have outreach amongst the people, to be able to bless them and love them. But it's super important why we do that, because we've got to partner in with some people and even though Nepali, in Nepal, Christianity is only 3%, in Koch and leprosy colony, it's 40%. Because God's done such an incredible work, loving the outcasts of society, the untouchables. And we just love seeing how gro- God grows in these extremely, extremely difficult areas. And what we first thought was such a simple thing, we just run an after-school tutoring program because the kids were always hanging out and teaching them. We didn't re- even realize when we started how important that was going to be. Not only to bless the people of Nepal, not only to bless these kids and, and just, you know, help the country come up. But it gave us so much opportunity amongst the primarily uh, Hindu people that they just saw our love. They saw just it was free. There's nothing to go there. And we just pour and love and love and love on these kids. And that work has opened up so many doors, that simple, simple thing. So I just love uh, telling you not only what we do, but why we do it. We do it all for him. And uh, God's just been so good. Uh, One of the questions was, What is the power? Like, what do we really see? What is the power of God? I could tell you so many unique stories, mind blowing stories of what God's done. But something that might just cover the absolute base of every base is that uh, in this primarily Hindu country, um, there's a little bit of pushback, you know, a little bit of reservation to be in super close with Christian people. And it's known kind of everywhere, like just you know, you can kind of keep your distance, but wherever those relationships, no matter what areas we're working, when we see that those relationships have broken through, we see that God is blessing those people and they're seeing it themselves. Their relationships with Christians in their country aren't what their friends, family, and everyone's told them it's going to be like. Uh, It's the opposite. They're seeing blessing because the Christians, they are getting the opportunity to share their faith, show their faith, love on these people, be consistent in their lives, yeah? Pray for them. Just be real, real, real. Nothing more. And this is what's having such a huge effect. This is the power of God at work. We get to do so many things, and some of it's quite difficult in the, the, the work that we put into it. But this one thing that God does is so powerful, and it's just so easy. It's just so easy what he does. It's just people loving other people in a consistent, consistent way that their faith gets the huge opportunity to make a big difference. That is what's doing groundbreaking work in Nepal. Uh, my perspective of God's changed in the, probably in the fact that the story of the God leaving the 99, uh, his love for the lost is more apparent to me than it's ever been. Uh, the parable is just really alive when I see it in Nepal. Because we get opportunity to work in extremely remote areas, that's true, but also difficult areas, like I was saying, coconut leprosy, colony. But wherever the people are working, remote or difficult areas, uh, what we see is there seems to be a special heart for God for those far-off places. And there's a special heart for the people that are either desiring to work in those hard places or are living amongst those people. And I have seen that so consistently across the board, and that deeply changed my perspective of God to know that wherever we go, you're not going to be losing out on any favor from God if anything My perspective tells me that God will even, provides even more. We see more stories, more power, just more grace given to those that go to the farthest reaches or are living in those places already. So I'm excited about that. Uh, My perspective at home, uh, I don't want to comment on the church at large because I don't know everything about the church at large, but I do know that God called me and my wife Marcy here, and we've loved it. And I also know something about missional DNA is that it's extremely, extremely difficult for a church to insert missional DNA into itself once it has started to move forward, especially as years have gone by. It's extremely difficult. People can be moved missionally. This is true. But it's a difference because we're getting our leadership from our churches. And When our churches don't have it in their root DNA, you don't see the power going forward immediately. And from the very first time that we stepped in this church, we saw that this is a missional church. And everyone that comes into the church has to understand that the church is missional. You can either accept it and say, This is the great, this is the home for me, or you say, This is not the right place for me because these guys are super, way, too, way too missional for me. I love that about this church. I want you guys to know that if you've heard me speak before, that uh, through Celebrate Generosity, this church has made a massive, massive impact into Nepal and people's lives. And I don't mean that in a vague way. I mean, if I could just show you, if I could show you the faces and tell you every story and I can't take any more time than I already am, I just want you to believe it in in your heart that I'm telling you the truth about something. The dollars that this church has put into Nepal has made a profound impact. And Steve will tell you the same. Matt's got to see it with his own eyes. So uh, it's a pleasure to serve the Lord. Uh, It's a pleasure to serve. Uh, Anthem Church uh, on behalf of their desire to be international and to serve the people in Nepal. Uh, I have one
1: thing. Um, mm -hmm.
4: I have to give this to someone, but I didn't know that if I put Matt's name on it, he would hate it, which I love about Matt. But I have to ask Matt to open it. Please. Uh, it is a gift. It is a gift for uh, Anthem Thousand Oaks, which you guys are a part of because you guys have given. It's from Touch Nepal. I couldn't buy you all one. It doesn't have Matt's name on it, it has our name on it, right? We did this together. It's not the end all of end all. There's a way to say thank you because of uh, your investment in the people of Nepal. And um, it says, uh, wait, I'm going the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> to all of you guys with gratefulness for your outstanding contribution and commitment to love and serve the people of Nepal. So thank you guys.
0: Um, I meant to maybe mention this as Tom and Lois wrapped up. Uh, they, I asked them if they had any trips that they're going to be going on that anybody could join and in all honesty, due to coronavirus, their most likely China trip this year will not be happening. Uh, so that would have been available for people to to join in on that. Uh, if anything changes, we will let you know. There's a massive sweeping worldwide healing of coronavirus and the trip gets back on. Um, but we part of tonight is going to be actually bringing attention to some of the opportunities that are going to be available. Uh, in Nepal, Mark's actually going in a few weeks, which is really exciting, um, with a team mostly from Kaneo Church. Is that accurate? Yeah. And uh, so we've got some great opportunities coming up in Nepal as my dad um, and mom will be going, let me see, what's that? April and the fall, all right? So uh, just so that you know, (laughs) sometimes you just sign up for a trip and whenever it happens, you just kind of make it work. Um, If you are interested in partnering in Nepal, just to let you know, these are, Um, Pretty low key, kind of high adventure, not low key, low um, team size, high adventure kind of things like what Tyler and I did back of a motorcycle, like that type of a thing. So what you would need to do, he said one or two people at the most on each of the times that he goes, because you will be traveling out to the different regions and doing remote area training with him alongside him. Uh, A lot of it will be getting to see and then he may have you uh, you know, do some things or or say some things, that type of a thing. But he did want to make it. If anybody's just interested, talk to him. There there's kind of a vetting process with that. Uh your heart's gotta be strong, that kind of thing. So that was a that was a joke. <laughs> uh, my dad's had heart issues in Nepal. So that's yeah. All right. Um, So that's happening in Nepal, and uh, obviously for information, you can stay up to date with Mark and with my parents on things that are happening in Nepal. Uh, Nicole is Christy Martino's counterpart in Camarillo, so she's taken on Anthem Kids down in Camarillo, that's a recent post uh, as of, I think, June, is that right? And uh, she's been doing that now for about seven months, and is loving every minute of it, kids is growing like crazy, and uh, she also has this new element of her life, and so why don't you tell us about Greece?
5: I'd love to. Thank you, Matt. Um, So, hello. Last year um, uh, in 2019, I had been continuing to pray um, for an uh, opportunity to engage uh, with missionary um, work in terms of working with refugees. Since I saw the crisis hit in 2015 in Europe, um, something about the, the videos of bedraggled parents handing their soaking wet babies to foreign strangers on the shores of Greece. It ripped something inside of me. And it wasn't like watching strangers. It was like watching friends who were in danger and who were hurting and I begged God for years for an opportunity to engage. I didn't just want to go and, I don't know, wander around and try to figure out something to do. I wanted to engage in a meaningful way. And so for years, that meant praying, uh, praying for refugees in Europe and um, also praying for an opportunity to engage. And then last year in the spring sometime, um, Matt and some people were um, at a Genesis Collective gathering, conference, party in London, Um, and uh, they were talking with Rob and Linda Hutton, um, and Linda had been doing work in Greece with refugees for several years with a small church there, and Keely, uh, of Kevin and Keely Bailey, um, is my close friend, and she texted me and said, hey, like, what are you doing next month? Do you maybe want to go to Greece? And (laughs) I didn't have a passport, I didn't have anything, and I have no training in missionary work and n- nothing at all ready. But I said, oh, well, if God can make it happen, then sure. I'll, I'll. I guess I'll be open to it. God laid everything out perfectly. And so I, a month later, boarded a plane to fly across the world to meet up with a bunch of people I'd never met before and stay at a home that I didn't even know the address of. And it was a jump of faith. And God has just... It has, it has changed my perspective on God, on how big He is, and on how trustworthy He is, and on the work that's being done on a global um, on the global stage, specifically in this area of the refugee crisis. So um, the opportunity um, and what I engaged in last year is working with a church called Athens Christian Center um, with Stavros and Lois. Um, they are. Uh, pastor um, and they helped run the Athens Christian Center Church and then in 2015 when the refugee crisis hit Stavros was a refugee himself um, as a child um, and they as a church pledged like all of their individual lives to helping. Um, the Orthodox Church is primarily um, the like, Christian faith that's acceptable in Greece and overall they've kind of turned their back on the refugee crisis are I mean Greece is having a financial crisis anyway, and so refugees are just draining their resources. But like tens of thousands of people are pouring onto their shores because um, Greece is kind of the gateway to safety from a lot of the conflict in the Middle East. Um, And so Stavros and his little church said, we will do what we can. Um, And so the ways that they're engaging is they have created a donation warehouse where they take in just... Uh, huge vats of clothing and um, and toiletries and things and distribute them to um, the refugee camps. Um, they engage regularly with the asylum center, which there are, I think, 20 or so asylum centers in Greece. And... Um, We use the term refugee kind of casually. Anyone that's fleeing conflict would be a refugee, but it's also actually an internationally, like, um, politically and legally designated term. You have to apply for political asylum, and then you have to apply to be qualified as a refugee. And at any point, they can say, nope, and then kick you back either to your home country, where you may be killed, or you'll live illegally in the country in which you are in, um, and then turn to crime or or just be killed. So the refugee, the asylum center um, is a kind of high stakes, high stress space. um, And people um, come in and they are there all day, no food, and everyone applying for refugee status has to come. So if you have a newborn baby or a grumpy 15-year-old, they all have to be there. Um, And so the church has decided to help by running kind of this little tiny, tiny childcare room in one of the centers. Normally, it's just a room of chaos where kids are, you know, tearing at each other because they all want to play with the same broken toy. Um, but the church has taken on running every day of the week. Two people from their faith community go to run the childcare room um, for these uh, refugee children. Um, and then they also provide meals and then also work with a gypsy camp, um, which is another group of locally displaced people that are not considered part of Greek society and Greek culture, but have lived in Greece for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, they have no formal education. They practice child marriage. They um, have no hygiene practices. It's a very um, different culture and the church engages with them regularly. So the tr- the trips that I joined in on, I joined in with um, a, a group from Dubai that was serving in Greece. I just kind of Uh, you know, jumped on like a little American backpack into their uh, Dubai trip and uh, followed them around to see what they were doing. Um, And uh, we um, uh, engaged in that way and they, I lost my train of thought, but anyways, I went twice last year and I'm going twice again this year. Um, It's for a week at a time. Oh, and what we, the, the main purpose of what we are going to do isn't specifically to serve the refugees. It's to provide relief for this little church. This is a church of like, I don't know, like 65 people. And the amount of work that they do is the only explanation for it is God. Like I was walking with Irene, one of my friends from the church, and she was explaining, we were walking to get coffee. And she was like, oh, this square, like before they made the camps, all of the refugees just came in from the shore and just like laid on the ground. And there were just Thousands and thousands of people in this little square just sleeping on the ground. So we would come and we would pass out food and we would do all these things. I was like, How, Irene, how did you do? Like, people have, don't you people have jobs at your church? Like, how, did, how did you do it? How did you accomplish that? And she just was very simply like, But by the grace of God, like we couldn't have done that. It was Jesus working through us. Um, and so that's also one of the ways that I've seen um, God's power moving is by multiplying the faithful work of these people. I am so encouraged by it, and Stavros tells us every time we come, like his people are so encouraged by other believers coming and providing relief for the daily work and toil that they do of of helping in this global crisis in their own little way. Um, And also what I've taken from that um, about the way that, our place in the world is that the problems of the world if you look at the numbers of the refugee crisis and the, the facts around it it's staggering and it's terrible and it's painful and it's almost too painful to really consider but god is bigger and that is what i see in the people that i work with in greece in their just their faithful hard work in a dirty warehouse in a tiny room with you know kids that are filthy and just loving on them constantly. And so we have an opportunity to come and love the people that are on the front lines, loving those people ongoing. So our work that we do continues when we are not there because God's family is there working. And we have the opportunity to come um, and come alongside them and support them and love them and continue to pray for them. So it's fabulous and I like it a lot. Also, Greece is pretty cool. <clears throat> okay, so the details of the trip, I am going twice, or I am leading two trips, um, one in May and one in October. There is, I can take um, up to 10 people, but that's plus me, so I have nine spaces available. Um, and if you have any interest, I, I, I typed up little handouts because that's who I am, um, and you can come grab one uh,
0: from me. Thank you. Thank
6: you. Um,
0: I think uh, you can see it in all of the things that we're talking about, but one thing that's really important about what you just said, Nicole, that I wanted to to spotlight is we're not trying to create opportunities to go international just for the sake of of going. This is one, as Nicole was sharing, like legitimate, our hands on the ground are incredibly helpful. In a lot of ways, Greek society's turned its back on refugees, and so they are genuinely looking for, Stavros has said, Send teams as often as you can get them over here. we could use them and put them to work. We need some help. And it's one of those things where honestly, if we raised thirty five grand and sent it over there, it'd probably be helpful. But he's still saying, actually, I need a bunch of people to come and help us like watch these kids hang out with these people, love them well, that type of a thing. So this is one of those types of things for us where again, we don't want to we don't want to go if it's actually if it would be better to just raise up indigenous leaders and do life on the ground in a better way. This is one where they've asked for we need manual labor, we need physical help. Can you please come help us? I just wanted to spotlight that because of the way that you said that. I thought that was really compelling for just how we, yeah, you were so compelling, Nicole. (laughs) Yeah, all right, good. Thank you, well done, well done. All right, Garrison and Meredith, where are you guys at? Come on up. We also call them Gary and Mary sometimes, but they don't like that, so yeah. (laughs) Ryan. Calls them Gary and Mary, not too many other people, yeah. All right, so uh, this one's different in that they don't have a trip to report on, but one to, or that they went on already, but one that is on its way that they're going to be sharing about. So here you go.
7: Sweet so we're going to be talking about a trip to Portugal for it's it's entitled the International Young Leaders Summit um, I know that's a long complicated phrase for saying hey we want to adventure with you guys in Portugal for a season it's going to be really cool um so there's three purposes behind this trip and it's phrased in a very as the the paragraph says it's a very beautiful beautiful beauteous paragraph, um, but let me try to simplify this paragraph for you guys. Um, in three purposes, the first one is we're trying to raise up young leaders in the next generation to step into the story of God, um, but we also want to cultivate that. So two, we want to cultivate that, that international, that global story within the young, uh, the young leaders and the young people in the next generation. And then lastly, we also want to do that by cultivating uh, international relationships um I, I think about uh, all the times in uh, the the letters of Paul when he's like hey greet this person for me oh and this person says hi and there's just something about building those cross-cultural relationships that just helps us lift our eyes and recognize that this story is so much bigger than ourselves it's bigger than Thousand Oaks and so we want to start just cultivating that kind of culture within the, the younger people and 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 so we're going to be doing this in Porto um, which is in Portugal and um, the the conference the summit will be in Porto and then we will also be helping some uh, some ministry leaders and church planters um, on the ground in Porto and in Lisbon um, and just helping them kind of carry out their story so I, I just want you to imagine this with me for a second um, in a, a climate in Portugal where there's just dire need for spiritual awakening just imagine an international team of like 200 people showing up to help you carry out the mission of God. In your city, like how, how encouraging could that be for these for these people, and also how encouraging could that be for us? Like, imagine the relationships that um, you could start to build um, that could last for years, and the dreams that you could have together for things in the future. So that's kind of the dream behind the the trip to Portugal. Um, it's going to be from June 30th through July 5th, and um, I'm going to pass it over to Meredith for some other details.
8: So if you are um, in the age bracket of 16 to 35, it's a pretty broad age bracket, (laughs) Um, but if you are in that age bracket um, and you are even kind of interested in seeing what God is doing in Portugal and in these other communities from around the world who are gonna be joining us, please come talk to us. Um, Another thing we really wanted to really emphasize is, Some of us can be kind of shy to consider ourselves a leader, Um, and Kyle was even talking about this uh, this morning, like you don't need any special ceremony or um, anointing to consider yourself a leader. If you love Jesus and you want to see what he's up to in Portugal, then we want you to come lead with us and be with us and learn how to lead in Portugal, so If you kind of um, think maybe it's not for you because you're not a leader, you don't think you're at a certain point in your faith, then don't think that way. Um, Come talk to us, you are a leader. Um, And a lot of us in this room might know someone who's in that age bracket, so if you know someone, we'd love to um, invite them to the trip as well. Um, The dates are up there. We're gonna be having an info meeting in the near future, so Come talk to us. Also email, is your email up there? Email garrison at anthemchurch.org and let us know if you are interested and we'll be starting to solidify flights and lodging and all of that.
7: Yeah, so the registration fee will be um, a small amount. It's not going to be too much um, because we're also expecting uh, for you guys to fit the bill for everything else. So uh, like it it may it may look small on the registration fee, but actually there's travel and everything else. So the idea is for us to gather a community and kind of facilitate that together. Um, And so we'll all go rally in Portugal um, together. Um, So, yeah, we'll, we'll have more information about that soon.
8: One more thing. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to get to Portugal? That sounds really expensive. Don't let that stop you from at least letting us know you're interested. And we can all kind of uh, dream together and brainstorm together how we can make that happen. And also just trust God that if he wants us to go, he'll make a way.
6: So we wanted to kind of let the vision for um for the nations come out through the people who I think you kind of all heard it <laughs> You're heard it come out through their heart and their love and what they've seen and and how they've seen God move. Um, but I wanted to point out a couple of things specifically for our church. Um, one is that we want to be really intentional about building relationally. So if you notice the the trips that we've put up there, which will all be on the app, by the way, so you don't have to have remembered all of those things, they'll all be up on the app for you to find details and contact. Um, they're all led by people from the Anthem churches who have relational connections with people in those areas and it's just really important that we don't want to just put up a whole list of missions organizations and say here go choose one and figure it out we we want to build relationships that that have fruit over time and it really connects the world together and so that happens a lot you heard about medical missions you heard about the Greece trip which is more service oriented and then some of these are Actually, through, um, if you've heard us talk about the Genesis Collective, I'll explain just a minute what that is. Um, It's a group of, right now, uh, how many churches? Let's call it seven plus, plus, plus. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Seven groups of churches from around the world, um, from Dubai, from South Africa, from England, and then from Southern California, from us down to San Diego. And over the last couple of years, we have just kind of decided, again, to build relationally that if we're going to do church planting into the nations, then we need, we need help. We need help from all corners of the world in order to create teams and find leaders and collaborate on church planting into the nations. So this is a new story. It's not one that it, It's new and old. Some of these people have known each other for now 30 years and done ministry together in different continents and countries. Matt and I have been friends with a lot of them for the last 10 years, but the intentional nature of it is very new. So a lot of these trips, like the Portugal one specifically, is meant to be very relational. There isn't like a, okay, I checked the box off, I did a service trip, but the intention is to build relationships that will have kingdom fruit for years and decades. And Many miles away, um, so there's there's actually three of those opportunities this year. The Portugal one specifically is the main one, but Matt and I are also going to Istanbul in two weeks. Don't remind me. Two. <laughs> Kyle's going to go with us. He got invited last week and said yes. So it's really not that hard. <laughs> um, and that is that is kind of a again a a relational meeting of of those those groups of churches, but also, I don't think we have a write-up of it, Chris Chris puts things, Chris Vinand is, is a part of this group, he puts things very eloquently, and he says it's a trip of prophetic intent that we want to plant churches into the Middle East, and so we're going to go pray, we're going to go meet with some in, indigenous leaders, some people who are already there, um, and we're going to dream and see what we can do together in the, in the Middle East, and then also, similarly, we're heading to South Africa in... April. I should know this. I'm actually going. But <laughs> um, to meet with some leaders there that we have been sowing into their church. So if if the idea of global church planting or global relationships is anywhere in your mind and you think, I just want to go and see, it's not a waste of time. And we would love to have you come with us. So um, just wanted to kind of point those two things out that are just, that are really important to us, that we have relationships um, on the ground, either if it's for um, mercy ministry or for church planting in the future, the relational ties are really important to us.
0: So as a as a church, one of the things that we do want to walk in this line, I think I've mentioned this a few times, um, probably over the last year as our Heart for the Nations has been growing in participation. I think you guys bringing Touch Nepal to us, it started with the generosity strand and maybe a couple of people going every other year type of a thing. But just as a church, we've stepped into this more, and we want to walk that line of making sure that we are diligent to do the good hard work of raising up indigenous leaders. I think that's been our great joy of working into Nepal, raising up indigenous leaders. And we've seen that happening in a lot of these contexts where we're going to... Uh, minister and support local leaders that are doing the work throughout the year, as opposed to being kind of like the the Great American Savior type of a thing that just comes in. At the same time, we walk the tension of falling back on our heels and saying, "Oh, it's best if we just send money. There's no point in actually going. Uh, if we go, we are taking away from resources that could be spent on local leaders doing ministry." I don't know if you've ever felt that or thought that. It's a good, healthy tension to hold those things. You should feel a little bit of tension in your gut trying to wrestle with which is best. If you land too heavily on one side or the other, that's that's probably a sign that maybe you need to wrestle just a little bit more. Cause honestly, it's a good question to always be asking. And it it can be a slippery slope either way. So we want to just walk forward as much as possible in a tender awareness of God, what are you doing and how can we help? We want to be helpful. We don't want to take away from what could be done. We want to be helpful. And so we want to keep putting this in front of the church in a way that would, uh, that would create opportunities for us to serve, uh, to give. We're going to continue down the generosity path. Uh, in fact, in a little bit, after we spend some time in prayer, we're going to have some collaboration time. We're going to talk about what it looks like for us to be a church that sends well and that does this uh, in a healthy way and in a faithful way. So even as we're praying. I want you to be thinking about some of the, some of those ideas because we're going to talk about them together as a group. So here's how the rest of our time is going to go. We have one. How do you want to do these tables? Because these are big groups to pray together. What do you think? Okay, the middle of the table, there's a little bit of a civil war. That's the Mason-Dixon line. Is that what it's called? Uh, that's going to run down the, the, the middle of those tables. Um, and this is a huge one, so you guys are going to have to pray fervently, maybe like Guatemala style, all at the same time. Um, so here's how this is going to go. We're going to give you a country that has been talked about tonight to be praying for. And as a table, we want you to pray specifically over the leaders of that country, the opportunities that are going to be happening in those places, and how we can, how we can best minister and how the leaders there can best minister in that context. So there's going to be about 20 minutes of time, 15 to 20 minutes of time for you as a table to be diligently praying over the nations. If you've been sitting too long and honestly you want to stand up and go to a corner, that's totally fine. You don't need to be locked into your current physical location, but that's the group that's going to be praying, all right? So I'm going to try this out. If we run out of countries, we've got, oh, because there is. My parents were hoping to be here, but they would also be talking about Liberia. Uh, Actually, Ryan, before we go to prayer, can I bring up the Liberia slide? Um, Two potential opportunities in Liberia. One of them is a women's conference. Uh, If there are women that would like to go with my mom Uh, specifically to lead a women's conference in Liberia, to minister to women, to train them and encourage them. Uh, That's going to be happening in May of this year. Simultaneously, my dad's going to be going and leading a biblical counseling training. Uh, That's actually, I believe, going to be even in a different part of the country. They may be in uh, in different situations. My parents were scant on the details, just throwing that out there. I'll throw them under the bus because they're mom and dad. Um, but that's good enough to just ask them and say, hey, I'm interested in going, especially if you have biblical counseling training and you'd be able to contribute on that front or if you are a woman. So those would be the two categories, generally speaking. Uh, yeah, it's, they're not huge teams, uh, especially on the biblical counseling side. My dad said uh, individuals or couples that would like to do training. So that might be a little bit bigger. My mom said just a couple of gals to go with. So that's, that's what's going on there. Okay, uh, so do you want to do the table breaking up, or you want me to do it? No, all right, I'm on it. Here we go. Here's how we're gonna do this. Uh, I'm
6: Our son earlier, we were sitting back there finishing all these plans. He's like, "So you guys are just winging it?" <laughs> well, no, Tyler, we're planning. And what?
1: And, and what did Ryan
6: say? Yeah.
0: He said, welcome to Anthem. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Perfect. All right. So you guys don't get Nepal because that's always on your prayer list. All right. So we're going to give you uh, Indonesia. All right. You guys are Indonesia. Okay. Right here, you're going to be Cambodia. Okay. That's you guys. You're Cambodia. And Amy, don't nod your head. You're not Cambodia. You're on the other side of the line. All right. You are going to be Portugal. So you guys are going to be, you all look like you're 35 and under. So you're going to be Portugal. All right. Uh, right here is going to be Greece. You guys will be praying over Greece, okay? Next one down, you guys are going to be praying for Nepal, all right? You got that? Okay. Right here, you guys are going to be praying for Liberia. If you don't know where that is, that's West Africa, like right on the knuckle of Africa, okay? Um, So you guys are Liberia, okay? You guys are going to be China. You got China. It's a big one. Hey, you guys are going to be Ukraine. That's my accent. That's the best that I got, all right? And then you guys are going to be South Africa. Okay, did I miss any? Istanbul. All right, we'll pray for Turkey. Okay. Everybody got there? So about 15 minutes, going to take some time and just start praying over the country. Uh, And good to go. I could have 90 seconds before I totally release you. Just want to tell you about next family meeting so that you know what to expect and when it's going to be. Uh, March fifteenth, we're gonna be a day late or a week late because the eighth is our uh, Vision Sunday. Um, but March fifteenth, same time, four forty to seven twenty. Uh, dinner. We'll get the notes out and all that. But I want to tell you what it's gonna be about. Um, for ten years as a church, we've never really made a statement on what we believe about women teaching, in particular, women teaching on a Sunday morning. And Uh, If you've been a part of the church for any length of time, the most teaching that you've seen would be what Kristen's done over these last few weeks, just sharing from uh, the stage in that context. But there's never been uh, a, a woman teacher. So we spent the last year and a half as a team reading books, studying, trying to understand, is that position traditional or is it biblical? Just trying to grasp why haven't we had a woman teach, even though we don't make any statement on it. We want to share on the 15th just kind of what our what our team has come up with in terms of the understanding the scriptures and how we came to that conclusion. But we want to talk through implications with the leadership of the church, with you guys. We want to just wrestle with that together, hear feedback, see how you respond. Like, this will be the place to, I mean, kind of incubate what it all means for us and, and how we go about walking that out. So. I would hope that you would get excited about that and want to be a part of that conversation. Uh, It's going to be an important one for the life of our church moving forward. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. And obviously, if you know people that have had those questions or wanted to understand that better, this would be a great place to be uh, on that, uh, the 15th. So make your plans and uh, be here. Uh, We'll be winging it just a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. We'll we'll make some plans. But um, it, it uh, it will be an interactive time that we can figure out some stuff together.